Welcome to the Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. Usually when interest rates rise and real rates on government bonds turn positive, the gold price tends to fall. But that's not what's happened over the past 18 months. Where is the gold price right now? Well, it's it's hovering around US dollar 2,000 per ounce, which is around and about the all-time highs. That's James Luke. James is a senior fund manager in Schroeder's Emerging Market Debt and Commodities team. I think what makes it unusual is the fact that gold is at these levels, despite the fact that you've seen a very, very significant increase in real interest rates in the US over the last two years. And frankly, the dollar has been pretty strong too. And when we talk about real rates, we mean the return of a bond minus the rate of inflation rather than just the yield itself. Gold prices are around record highs, despite this interest rate hiking cycle being the most violent since Paul Volcker vowed to crush inflation in the early 1980s. The way you're going to get those interest rates down is by persisting in policies that will indeed continue to bring the inflation rate down. And at some point, this dam is going to break and the psychology is going to change. So despite real rates moving very rapidly from negative to positive over the last two years, gold prices have stayed high but struggled to maintain new record highs. So where should the gold price be? I mean, if you if you came into 2022 uh, and you told pretty much any analyst that real interest rates were going to go from negative 100 basis points to positive 200 and the dollar was going to be pretty firm, they would all pretty much have said that gold is going to be somewhere around $1,300 per ounce to $1,500 or some $500 plus below where it is today. At a time when real bond yields across the Western world are still high, why is the gold price nearing record highs? We'll take you through a brief history of the gold price, the geopolitical events that are shaping demand, and why the gold price could remain resilient for some time yet. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to the Investor Download. Since 2008, the gold price has tracked the real return on US government bonds. When real returns have risen, the price of gold has fallen and vice versa. I I think for us, when we look at the history of the gold market, we see 2008 as, as something of a pivot point. Before 2008, gold really traded more of its commodity characteristics. It traded more in line with jewelry demand. Uh, more in line with emerging markets currencies and, and, and less in line with, with, with real interest rates. I think the real pivot point was post-2008, post the financial crisis, the introduction as part of a broad policy response uh, of quantitative easing, so-called unconventional monetary policy, which, which in effect just meant printing money uh, to buy more government bonds to suppress interest rates. It was one of the most profound events in generations with huge consequences for the American economy and households throughout the country. 
This was the time a decade ago when the financial crisis erupted, a crash that most experts did not foresee. Its effects and of the recession that followed on income, wealth, inequality, and our politics are still with us. And I think from, from an investor perspective, um, that raised all sorts of concerns about long-run monetary debasement, uh, about long-run you know, systemic fragility, and caused a, a, a strong underlying bid for gold because of its monetary characteristics. Are you saying that since 2008, gold prices became much more sensitive uh, to what central banks were trying to achieve? The way I view it is that the introduction by Western central banks, obviously the Japanese central bank have been doing it really since the mid-1990s, but the introduction by Western central banks led by the Fed of quantitative easing, of unconventional monetary policy, really marked a watershed moment. And yes, I think that, that since 2008, um, it has been the dominant factor uh, driving gold markets, at least up until 2022. And I think that when you look at the history of big moves in the gold price since 2008, that's really very, very clear. So for example, the big down move uh, that we saw in 2013, 2014, uh, when gold prices, you know, fell over a three-month period, some $500 per ounce, was very, very clearly linked to the Fed's attempts in 2013 to normalize monetary policy, to stop doing quantitative easing, to start doing quantitative tightening, or, or at least the communication that they would do that in the future. That alone was enough to cause very significant selling in the gold market, particularly from Western investors. Uh, and similarly, when you look on the flip side, the points at which the Fed has been unable to continue normalizing monetary policy have really marked the, you know, the starting point of big up news. <clears throat> so for example, late 2018, um, when the Fed or Powell himself was forced to capitulate uh, on, on tightening monetary policy, uh, and then again in late 2019, the so-called repo crisis, and as we all know, post the post-COVID policy response, which really again was a new watershed uh, in extreme policy responses, combining both extreme unconventional monetary policy with direct fiscal stimulus, direct fiscal injections into the US economy. However, that relationship, which had been so dominant for much of the last 15 years, broke down at the beginning of 2022. That's coming up in the next part of the show. Get in touch with us by email at shorterspodcasts at shorters.com or visit our website shorters.com forward slash investor download. For nearly 15 years, the relationship between gold and real returns on bonds was strong. They remained happy bedfellows from an investment perspective. Then something went awry and forced a breakup. Is that just a 15-year itch or something worse? So why did the relationship break down? No, I don't think it was a 15-year itch. Um, I think actually those two factors, so Fed policy and then Western uh, investment demand for gold, for gold as a monetary asset, uh, I think are still very, very much connected. And we, you know, we can really see that in the data. So this time round, as in 2013, the Fed has tried to normalise policy, uh, they've started to reduce their balance sheet, i.e. reverse quantitative easing, uh, and they've significantly raised interest rates, which has put the opportunity cost up of holding gold. And, and what have we seen? Well, we've seen physical ounces held in Western ETFs uh, fall significantly, some, some 25 million ounces plus uh, from the peak. Uh, in recent quarters, we've seen European demand uh, for bars and coins 
uh, fall very, very significantly, particularly in Germany. And we've seen pretty much very, very moribund financial market sentiment for the gold market. So I don't think it's that these, these relationships have, have suddenly disappeared. It's just that their impact on the gold price has gone down because another buyer, another source of demand uh, has become so strong as to offset those negative uh, selling pressures in the West. Real interest rates really started to accelerate higher in early 2022. Uh, and it's at that point that the paths of gold prices and real interest rates really start to diverge, with gold prices since early 2022 uh, having fluctuated between, say, you know, below $1,800 an ounce up to above $2,000 an ounce, but really staying relatively high versus what real interest rates have done. It's very, very clear that the pivot point was the first quarter of 2022, and that coincides perfectly with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The biggest delta on the gold demand side uh, has really been central bank demand. And I think that central bank demand has been directly related uh, to the Russia-Ukraine invasion uh, and the Western response to it. So whilst the West hasn't officially confiscated Russian reserves, it has effectively frozen upwards of half a trillion dollars uh, worth of Russian FX reserves. And I think that's had a... Uh, oh, one can speculate that they may well have had a, a significant impact on gold purchasing patterns among other central banks who, who, who feel that in any future uh, conflict with the US, they might be non-aligned with the US. And I, th I think China uh, probably looms large in, in that conversation. Central bank demand for gold had been net positive since 2008. But over 2022 and 2023, it has almost doubled the post-2008 average. And why are they buying gold specifically? I mean, I mean, if we take China as a specific example, I think the first point to make would be they really don't hold very much gold uh, compared to, say, Western central banks as a percentage of reserves uh, or, or, or compared to other emerging market counterparts. So, for example, Russia owns about 20% uh, or has about 20% of its FX reserves uh, in gold. Turkey is a similar number. Whereas Chinese reserves, even with the buying that they've been doing um, over, over recent quarters, have only moved from, say, 3% of reserves to 4%. So the starting point uh, is extremely low. I think also gold is, as we discussed, outside the US dollar system. It can't be confiscated. It's held domestically. Uh, and so it is a hedge very much against any future deterioration uh, in relationships or any kind of catastrophic breakdown. And is demand just limited to central banks? Uh, the biggest change, so the biggest delta, uh, has come from, from central banks. Um, but it's also true that demand for, 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 for gold bars uh, and, 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 and coins has been very, very strong. Uh, in China and also in, in, in places like the Middle East, reaching you know, clear record levels in, in, in the World Gold Council uh, data. I think, again, China looms large. It's a very, very interesting trend there. And, and I think, you know, again, if you compare 2013 or even earlier periods uh, in terms of Chinese retail demand or, or public investment demand, um, there, there's a stark contrast and, a contrast. and I think a lot of that comes down 
um, to structural issues with things like the Chinese property market. The Chinese property market has been this absolute beer moth uh, for the last two decades and has been you know, a significant destination for, for investment capital and, and, and surplus liquidity uh, in, the Chinese liquidity, uh, in the Chinese economy. Um, and now that that channel has, has, from our perspective, been, been, been killed stone dead structurally by changes in the policy stance from Beijing, you know, capital lacks a home to go to. And I think gold has been absolutely a beneficiary of that. So if there's so much of this demand from central banks, why has gold not gone higher than it is? It's yeah, no, I, th I think that the factors that we've talked about come together quite nicely to explain what, why gold is here. You've had, you've had rampant increases in demand from central, central banks, very strong bar and coin demand in the East. Um, but offsetting that, you've had what you could describe as a, a predictable uh, reaction from, from, from Western holders, holders of gold to monetary policy tightening. So you had Western selling, uh, Western liquidations, uh, offsetting the, the demand increases that I've mentioned. The way James views the market is that it's only that Western selling of gold that's kept the gold price below those all-time highs. What would happen if those sellers suddenly became buyers? Yeah, I think, I think if you look into 2024, uh, if, if, if you were to imagine uh, a scenario where the US was heading more soundly into, into, into the kind of downturn that pretty much consensus was widely expecting to happen in, in, in 2023, uh, and you were to imagine a situation where ETF liquidations had stopped, uh, investment intre interest in gold was coming back in the US and in Europe, and at the same time that structural central bank bid remained, um, then, yeah, I think if you had that, that coordinated demand impulse coming from both the West and the East, then you could, see, you could see surprisingly strong trends in gold prices that would really, really shock uh, investors. So, you know, our, we think it's very, very conservative to say that when we look into 2024, we expect to see $2,000 an ounce um, become support in the gold market rather than the resistance um, that it's been for the, for the last three years. Arguably... All those scenarios described are on investors' minds already. And if things were to change and Westerners decide they need some safety in potentially turbulent times and they turn their attentions to gold, what does that mean for gold producers? As we described when we were talking about the gold market, what we've really seen is Western bearishness offsetting Eastern bullishness. We've seen ETF selling and bar and coin selling from, from Europe and the US offsetting very strong Chinese central bank demand, very strong Chinese and Middle Eastern bar and coin demand, but still gold prices at, at very, very high levels. In fact, record quarterly average records. Uh, and yet that same negative sentiment that has come from the West in terms of bullion markets is also what's impacting, I think, the, the valuations uh, of, of gold producers. Because while, of course, it's true that, that cost inflation was an issue in 2021 uh, and into early 2022, uh, it's also true that you have very, very healthy uh, business fundamentals and very, very healthy margins, cash, cash flow margins at these gold prices. Uh, it's just that the Western uh, investor, uh, on average, has no faith in the long-term sustainability uh, in, of gold prices or, and therefore the long-term sustainability of those cash flows. I think if our scenario plays out and, and $2,000 per ounce uh, becomes support rather than resistance, then 
to be honest and without without meaning to sound too much like a, a hyperbolic fund manager I, I think the impact on valuations for gold producers would be absolutely transformational and I think that's because really they're coming from such a low base that the disconnect that we've seen between gold producer valuations and the underlying bullion price is is dramatic uh, and is at a record um, and so yes I think I think the, the the potential for for, for those equities to, to play catch-up would be would be absolutely huge Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, please head to schroders.com forward slash insights. And we're endeavouring to record as many of these shows in the studio on video. If you want to watch them in their full unabridged version, uh, then go to Schroder's YouTube channel. If you want to get in touch with us, it's Schroder's podcast at schroders.com. And remember, you can listen, subscribe and review the Investor Download wherever you get your podcasts. New shows drop every Thursday at 5pm UK time. But above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up. Investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy. 